Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. God, every time that you've stepped in, I thank you, God, for the things that go unseen. God, you are so wonderful, and I praise you tonight. I pray that you would bless us, God, with ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing. God, you are absolutely wonderful. I pray blessed tonight. Stay with us, Holy Spirit. And I just thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. That was so good, guys. (laughs) Uh, You can be seated. Man. If you don't know who I am, my name is Alex Chadsey. I am the youth pastor here at New Life Church. And I have a fantastic message for you tonight, at least I think it is, titled, It Is By Faith. Tonight, my goal to you, my goal tonight is to stress to all of us one thing, and that is the cornerstone nature of faith. Now, it, it is amazing to me, and yet it shouldn't be because this is how God works. If you noticed, there was a theme with tonight's songs, and that was the faithfulness of God. And so with this idea, we're going to be partnering tonight with the faithfulness of God, joining our faith to the fact that he promises good things. And so with that, I hope to open your eyes tonight what, to what biblical faith actually looks like. And finally, it's my goal to encourage you to act out the verb that is faith. A lot of us think that faith is just a descriptor. It's an adjective of, you know, the Christian life. But it's in fact a verb. It's a, it's a thing that we do. Faith is an action. With all that said, I would like to share with you one simple truth. And that is faith is necessary. Faith is necessary. And as we go through life, unless we're being very intentional about our faith, we will shelve faith until we are facing crisis. It, it isn't necessarily like you're trying to put faith aside. But usually, unless, like I said, we're intentional about walking out faith, we can sometimes focus on every other thing in life, everything that would come to distract us, um, everything that would try to hinder us from walking out the calling that God has placed on our life, every Facebook post, the, the endless hours of TV that I watch, I won't put that on you. I know you guys don't watch TV. I'm just kidding. But sometimes in life, it's not evil. Like, the intention of our heart is not to set faith aside. It's just simply, we have gotten into the habit of responding to God with faith only in times of crisis. Now, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, responding to crisis with faith is strong. It's a great thing that we all should do. However, we should be looking at faith as something more in the lines of something that we live out on a daily basis. We aren't meant to only exercise faith when we're in the middle of a crisis. We're meant to live it out on our good days as well. Amen? And so sometimes, uh, many of us tonight, we don't even know what faith looks like apart from having a crisis. And it's because we have taught ourselves that God's miracles are only for when something is broken inside of our lives. 
But this kind of reactionary faith is not how we're called to live our lives. We're meant to breathe as an act of faith. We are meant to do the dishes, clean the houses, and even start the car with faith. Now, if you have a car that's broken down, you understand this. I have lived that way for too long. I get using faith when you're starting your car. But um, ultimately, we are called to act with faith interwoven into the very fabric of our day-to-day lives. Faith is to the Christian as blood is to the body and gasoline is to a car. A body without blood is a corpse. And a car without gasoline is a very expensive paperweight. And so it is with Christians without faith. We become lifeless and we are powerless without faith. In fact, the faithless Christian is tossed about in the sea of life. Every storm, every hardship, every crisis threatens to shipwreck us. We saw this in the disciples when they were all on the boat. You guys, you guys know the story. Remember, the, the disciples and Jesus get onto a boat. And as they're in the middle of the lake, this massive uh, storm rages around the disciples that are in this boat. And Jesus is doing what? Jesus is taking a nap. Jesus is my kind of God. I love naps so much. <laughs> and so Jesus is taking a nap in the back. The disciples, who were all very strong fishermen, by the way, they freak out. They assess the situation, and with all of their knowledge, with all of their skill, they determine that their lives are in danger. Now, I have to take their word for it because they're the expert, I'm not. But when they come to Jesus, they have a moment when they're in real crisis, they feel like their life is in danger. They come to Jesus, as many of us do when our lives are in very real crisis. They come to Jesus and says, Master, Master, don't you care about us? Our lives are in danger. Jesus wakes up from his nap, and I am like convinced that he is gracious when waking up from a nap, not like some of us. But he wakes up, looks at them, and says, why are you so afraid? You have so little faith. Now Jesus rebukes his disciples, and it isn't necessarily because they had a crisis on their hands. And it isn't necessarily because they came to him in the middle of that crisis. He rebukes them for what I believe to be the cause um, that they weren't walking out a lifestyle of faith. And I know that because Jesus did walk out a lifestyle of faith. He walked, he was the one that when the crowds surrounded him to stone him, he believed God would make a, mis- uh, make a, a escape, not a mistake. He believed that God would make an escape, and God did. And so Jesus knew crisis, but he knew how to walk in faith, both in the good times and in the bad times. And so uh, a lifestyle of faith does not respond to the storm with fear, but confidence that God will not let them be destroyed. This is why Jesus Jesus was asleep. It's because he was walking out a lifestyle of faith. Unfortunately, without faith, Christians live and testify 
to a powerless kingdom and a God who is unwilling or unable to step in on the behalf of others. This is not the God that we have. Our God is a faithful God. Our God is a miracle-working, Red Sea-parting, Jericho walls-breaking-down God. He is one that delights in miracles. He is one that looks for opportunities for faith. So he can show himself as strong to those who believe in him. Our God is strong and he's compassionate. He looks on us with kindness. And it's through his loving mercy that we live and we breathe. And so it is with our faith. Uh, Ultimately, it is our job to fully step into the life that God has set apart for us. We must live and testify to the powerful, loving nature of God. And we do this through actively using our faith. Now, in fact, faith is so necessary that the Bible actually says that we cannot even please God without faith. This is the very words that the Bible says in the Amplified Version. But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and to please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. This verse alone spells out the critical nature of faith, that we can't even please God without it. How many of us here want to please God? Now, that's rhetorical. You don't, I appreciate it, but now I'd imagine most of us do. So how many of us want God to be proud of us? How many want God to look down from his heavenly throne and say, well done, good and faithful servant? Well, the Bible clearly says that the only way that that will happen is if you use faith. That's the only way. It's impossible to please God without faith. I'm not coming up with that. That's not my interpretation. Without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and to please him. This verse alone spells out the critical nature of faith, but there is more. There is more to the reasons on why faith is so pivotal. And it is from the position of faith that all of the supernatural strength that God desires to give us is born. Now, I've got lots of scripture because we all, we all believe in the Bible. And so I'm not trying to make this case out of my own logic. I'm not trying to make the case for faith from my own thinking. I'm going to use the Bible. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through the Old Testament a little bit. I'm sorry, Old Testament examples for a little bit. All of this is found in Hebrews chapter 11. It is known as the chapter of faith. There is so many stories, and I've whittled it down to three different ones, three different verses. And so let's get into it. So Noah, this is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from uh, from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Look at that. That says that a man who pre-Christ received righteousness, the same way that we receive righteousness. By faith, we are made righteous by Christ. Noah was a precursor to the blessing that God poured out on us through him. 
And he highlights the point that it's through faith that we're receiving righteousness. Let's go on. Sarah. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to conceive a child, though she was barren and far too old. She believed that God would keep his promises. This is the essence of faith. At the core of faith says that God is faithful, just like we sung about. And God will keep his promises because he is faithful. This is what Sarah did. Sarah got a promise from God, or more, Abraham got a promise from God. And Sarah believed it with her whole heart, other than a slight moment where she laughed. (laughs) Just checking if you guys read your Bibles. (laughs) Let's move on, though. Moses. (laughs) Two things. It was by faith. That Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept, uh, he kept right on going because his, he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Verse 29. It was by faith that the people of Israel went through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Sometimes faith enables us to do things everybody else can't. Sometimes faith, when we walk in that, it gives us opportunities that other people can't have. And that's because we are trusting in the promises and the nature of God. Let's keep going. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 35. A little bit of scripture. Strap in. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to account the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all of the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. How many of us feel weak sometimes? Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women, uh, women received their loved ones back from the dead, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Sometimes our life does not look like a bunch of roses. Sometimes there's real persecution against us, and faith enables us to push through and not to give in. Faith, doesn't, faith gives us a way to receive a miracle, but sometimes the miracle is not escaping the tribulation. Sometimes the miracle is standing our ground with our faith in God and getting the reward of that persistence. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Are you guys getting this? It is by faith. It is through faith that we conquer the enemy. It is in faith That every single miracle resides. It is by faith that we escape poverty. It is by faith that we escape sickness. It is by faith that fear, loneliness, depression, anxiety, all of it melts away through faith. All of it. And faith really is the expression of God's limitless power in our lives. Now this is our ability to walk out what we believe God is who he has said he is, and our desire to move in faith. Now, with that being said, faith is not an optional thing tonight. Faith is not simply an aspect of our Christian life. 
Faith is something that we can, uh, faith is not something that we can only run to in crisis. Faith is something that we must exercise daily. With that being said, I know the grand question is, well, what is faith? Fantastic, I got a scripture for it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, for it is the evidence of things that we cannot see. Faith is our action in response to things that we can't see. Unfortunately, we live in a world that because of sin, we cannot physically see God. You guys know the story, Adam and Eve, they decided that they wanted to eat some fruit um, that they were not supposed to eat. And the result of that was they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Now, I don't know if you guys know, but the Garden of Eden was the place where God dwelled on earth with us. God came down to fellowship with us in this place, the Garden of Eden. Uh, And so when Adam and Eve were kicked out of that place, that meant that our fellowship with God could not be in the physical, tangible eye to eye the way that we want it to be right now. Unfortunately, we are not able to see God with our physical eyes right now. There's good news. Heaven is the place where we get to have the blessing of being able to see God face to face. But for right now, what we have to settle with is seeing God through the evidence of him working in our lives. And don't don't get this twisted. You do this all the time. You know this idea, this concept of you can't see it, but you know it's real because you see the evidence of it. You know this because has anybody seen, like, gravity? Anybody ever seen physically gravity? Doesn't happen. We know that gravity exists because the effect that gravity has. Oh, I thought that stood straight up. That would have been cool. <laughs> we know that gravity is real because the effect that it has on the world that's around us. In the same way, we know for a fact that God exists because the, the effect that he has on the world around us. More so, God we know is real because the effect that we see in our lives. Every physical miracle is a testimony to how real God is. Every time you were healed, every time God gave a prophetic word at the right moment, every time that God stepped in and took away bad circumstances, every time God moved in your life is evidence to show you that while you cannot see him, he is real. And so faith is the physical manifestation of our trust in an invisible God. Faith is trusting in God's promises and and acting according to his word. It's the idea of because you are, I will. Because you are faithful, I will trust you. Because you are good, I will expect good in my life. Because you are Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord God, our our healer, I will believe that your desire is to heal every time. Because you are Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord who is there, I will believe that you are with me during every moment. Faith is holding our thoughts, words, and actions in check. It is submitting ourselves to the truth of God. And this is where the verse that says we take every, every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. That's where that comes from. It is by faith that we're born again 
And we allow God to shape our biblical views instead of shaping the Bible to what we want to agree with. And it's in faith that these declarations are actively walked out and our beliefs that... uh, And in our beliefs, we actively start to grow that gift of faith. Now, before I move on, I want to encourage you guys. Um, Jesus taught a story about uh, a pair. uh, He taught a story about why his disciples didn't fast. And I'll get to that here in a second. But it's important for us tonight to know that when we're born again, when, when we accept Jesus into our lives, something incredible happens in that moment, but it also requires a response on our part. John chapter 3, John, uh, um, Nicodemus is talking to Jesus and asked how to get into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus gave a peculiar answer. He said, you must be born again. Nicodemus doesn't understand this concept. He's like, how am I going to go back into my mother's womb to be born again? I don't, I don't understand. I'm a six foot four man. She's five five. I don't think the math is going to work. <laughs> I said that in youth and they laughed much more. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are called to be born again. In fact, we are born again in that moment. In the book of Romans, it highlights this point. It says the old man is crucified with Christ. The old man is dead and gone. And it is now our new life that we live in Christ that we have to walk out. In fact, it goes further and says that we need to be a living sacrifice. What that means is it is no longer I who live. It's no longer my decisions. It's no longer what benefits me. It's no longer my own selfish thoughts or my own will. It is now solely, what do you want, Jesus? Remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave. Jesus died. He gave up his life. He forfeited his life. He was only 33 years old. For most people, that's very young. Jesus decided to sacrifice the rest of his life so that we could be born again, so that we could make, uh, be made brand new. It is the least that we can do to offer our lives up as well. In fact, I'm pretty sure it says in the book of Romans that it's our reasonable service. It is reasonable for us to walk as a living sacrifice. No longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives inside of me. With that being said, we need to put aside the former way of doing things. We need to put aside the former way of looking at life. We need to put aside the former way of how we treated other people when they were bad to us. We need to put aside how we respond to people who make fun of us on Facebook. We need to act differently. If we look the exact same post-salvation that we looked pre-salvation, something's going wrong. We have not submitted ourselves to the authority of Christ. Now let me get into this story. Oops. Cool. It says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 through 17, One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, "Wedding guests mourn while celebrating. Uh, do, medding, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? 
Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. How many of you guys know that Jesus did not care about wine? He's not talking about, he's not talking about fashion. Like, oh, if you, if you patch your old clothes with new patches, then it'll tear away and you, you're going to have a bad pair of jeans. Jesus is not talking about this. Jesus is highlighting the point that when you're born again, when you accept Christ into your life, you can no longer live in the former ways. You have to allow yourself to be crucified with Christ and allow your new man to be born. Allow yourself to do new things. And so I'm, I'm talking so much about this specific part because our old way of doing things did not involve faith. Our old way of living life, our old way, and the old man has nothing to do with faith. And so when you're born again, there are things that you need to let go of. There are things that are holding you back, and there is a new system that you have been translated into. Very literally, you have been taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That brings with it new responsibilities, new authority, new ways of looking at the world, and with it, new ways of acting. Ultimately, we need to put down our old wineskins tonight and take up a new way of doing things. We need to start operating in faith. We need to submit to God, allowing the words that he has promised to shape our lives. Remember, we no longer live for ourselves. We are a living sacrifice. It is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ that lives through me. Finally, my last point here is that faith without risk is lifeless. I'll I'll put it in other words. Faith that is only in words but not in actions is death. It's worth nothing. James says it best. We'll We'll get there. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith but don't show it in your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose that you see a brother or sister who has food or has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a great day, man. God bless you. Like, be filled, be warm. But you then don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, other, have, other people have good deeds. <laughs> but, I say, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, uh, for you believe that there is one God. Man, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they at least tremble in fear. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is worthless, is useless? Ultimately, our faith requires action. This is what I was getting at at the beginning. Faith is not an adjective. 
Faith is not a descriptor. Faith is a verb. Faith is an action. We must do faith. Like I, like I said before, because I believe that God is good, I will believe that goodness comes into my life. Because I believe that God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider, I will then act out, I will walk out the fact that God has promised provision. I will not be in fear. I will not consider myself in lack. I will trust in every situation, regardless of if I need $10 for a sandwich or $100,000. I will trust that Jehovah Jireh has got my back and he will provide for me. I will trust because of who he is, that he is Jehovah Rapha. That he is the Lord God, my healer. Doesn't matter if I have a cold, a headache, COVID-19, cancer, or anything else. I believe that God is my healer. That That means that in the kingdom of God, every knee must bow. That means in the kingdom of God, COVID must bow. That means in the kingdom of God, cancer, diabetes, and all other things must bow. And finally, when the dust settles, it is our job to keep on standing. I am not saying that when you take a stand of faith that everything is going to go hunky-dory. Remember the, the story that I told you about all the people who were the heroes of faith in the Old Testament. The ending of the verse that I quoted said, uh, said that there were some who because of their faith were tortured. It goes actually further and says some were cut into pieces with swords. Some were given to lions. Like if you, you, I don't know if you've spent any time um, looking into old church history. But like the first couple centuries for the church was horrible. The Romans hated Christians. As a sport, as a spectacle, they would decide to to feed Christians to lions. Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, faith uh, working people were tortured to death. Faith does not say that it is going to be an easy ride. Faith doesn't even say that every situation will work out the way that you want it to. Faith says that my belief in God does not change uh, uh, in response to my circumstances. So it doesn't matter if I live in a palace or I live in a dungeon, my faith in God is just as solid. It doesn't matter if I am eating the best food or I'm the one being eaten by lions. (laughs) My faith in God does not change. This is what faith calls us to. (laughs) Ultimately, faith... Faith is standing in opposition. I hope you guys are having a great time, because I am. (laughs) Faith is standing in opposition and trusting God. We have a very real enemy who Jesus himself said is here to kill, steal, and destroy. That means that he will try his very best to kill, steal, and destroy. The verse is super easy. We're giving a game plan or or we're seeing behind the enemy lines and seeing what he does. And so when we operate with faith, we will have opposition. 
the great thing, the good news, is that Jesus is so much stronger. In fact, I believe Pastor Poole said it on Sunday, um, this last Sunday, that God is not in a wrestling match with the devil. It's not, like I've seen it on Facebook plenty of times, it's not God and the devil in like an arm wrestling match to see who is going to have control over the earth. God dealt with the devil 2,000 years ago, disarming, disarming him, taking away the authority that he has. In fact, if he brings evil into your life, he is doing it without the proper clearance. He does not have the authority to do that anymore. Ultimately, and this is totally sidetracking, side but ultimately the thing that we do is we give him the authority of our lives so that he can influence us. We do it through our words, we do it through our actions, we do it through the law of sowing and reaping, uh, when we don't choose to control our words and our actions. But ultimately, it is not God versus the devil. In fact, the devil isn't even created to be uh, at opposition with God. If there's anything that's in opposition, it's Michael. Michael and the devil, but that's a different thing. <laughs> Good luck, Pastor Poole, clean that up. <laughs> ultimately faith moves mountains it's the promise of our savior that the faith of the side of a mustard seed will move mountains and that is because if we don't give up faith is unstoppable that's the god we serve he has promised us this this thing called faith that if we will believe in god he will do miracles every time. Amen. Whether he delivers us, brings us to heaven, or gives us peace inside of it, he brings us miracles. I encourage you tonight, take risks. Find opportunities to use faith in your day-to-day life. I don't care if your vacuum cleaner isn't turning on. Operate in faith. I, I, it does not matter how big or how small the thing that you're using faith for is. Make the muscle, like build muscle memory of faith. Start to use it in your daily life so that like the disciples, I'm sorry, so that in the opposite way of the disciples, like they were in a moment of crisis and they had built their faith based on crisis. And so they were fearful of the situation. In, in, in opposition to that, if we build a lifestyle of faith, when troubles come, we will have a confidence. We are secure in who God is, regardless of circumstances. So fear cannot lie to us and tell us how bad things are. We can look at our circumstances and say how great our God is. Amen. Believe God. Pray for healing. Give a prophetic word if God puts it on your heart. Stand on the promises that God has in his word. And if you don't know what the promises are in the word, read the Bible. It's chock full of promises. One of my favorite, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says that God will cause all things to work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. That is a promise that God gives us that it does not matter what's going on in your life. God will cause it to turn around for the good. As long as, you're lo- as long as you love God and are called, into ho- called according to his purposes. It's my belief that all of us in this room love God, or at least are getting there. And all of us have a calling on our life. God designed us with destiny in mind. He has put a calling on our lives. And so if you will stand on that specific promise, 
God will cause all things to work together for the good. It's your job to find the promises in the word and stand on them. Don't allow the world to dictate to you how to respond in in any situation. Allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you and submit yourself to the life of bold faith. Why don't you guys bow your heads? Father, I just thank you for the wonderful word tonight. I pray that all of us would be blessed tonight, that we would be challenged in this, God, that you would give us opportunities to use faith. And I just bless us as we go throughout this next week. I pray that it would be one of the best weeks that we've ever lived through, God. I pray that we would see your spirit more in this next week than we ever have. I thank you, God, for every time that you've come through, everything that you've done. And I just bless us as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful night. Go to Chili's or something. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.